Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me today and welcome back to Linguistics 26020 Truth, the podcast. Today, we will be talking about truth and greenwashing marketing. While advertisers and vendors' use of false or misleading claims to peddle products to consumers predates even the bartering system, greenwashing marketing has only become popularized in roughly the past half century, markedly with the launch of the environmental movement in the 1960s and then the first Earth Day about a decade later in 1970. As people become increasingly aware of the long-term and irreversible environmental damage that comes at a cost of human industrial and agricultural activities, and green politics takes center stage as a key topic for voters, advertisers can exploit consumers' perceived responsibility and fear and market products as being more environmentally friendly or quote-unquote green than there is legitimate evidence for. If a consumer feels as though one product or brand is environmentally superior to competing products and being environmentally cautious is ethically important to them, then the quote-unquote green product can have an advantage over the competition, even though there is no real environmental difference between the two. There are many subtypes of greenwashing. Today, we will talk about four common manifestations, which are green by association, lack of definition, unproven claims, and outright lying. These schemes employ lies, deceit, and then both Frankfurt and Cohen-style bullshit to manipulate buyers' perceptions of products and increase sales at the expense of an accurate understanding of how consumers can minimize their environmental footprints. The first type of greenwashing that we will talk about is green by association marketing, which is where a company uses iconography, symbols, or vocabulary reminiscent of nature and greenery without making explicit verbal claims of the product's difference in environmental impact. However, because the consumer associates these visual cues with increased environmental consciousness, uh, whether it be from their experiencing environmental campaigns previously or consuming other greenwashed advertising, or um, just kind of having this inherent association between all that is green and leafy and that which is environmentally friendly. Um, There is a deliberate yet concealed implication on the part of the advertiser that the product is quote unquote green, even when there's no sentence meaning to be analyzed or or verbal truth conditions that can be flouted or broken. One interesting example of green by association is an advertising campaign that Coca-Cola launched back in 2015 to launch their um, Coca-Cola Life Soda. The advertised image shows what looks to be like a 100-foot-tall bush shaped as an old-school glass Coca-Cola bottle with a Coca-Cola Life label right in the middle. The bush is shown in the middle of a scenic green enclave with forests and mountains on all sides. I would say that about 70% of the image is made up of various shades of green between the grasses and the leaves and the trees, and the remaining 30% is blue sky, birds, and uh, ladybugs. What's interesting about this specific advertisement is that aside from the Coca-Cola Life logo, there are zero words, just no words at all. So let's take a moment to guess what we think the difference between the Coca-Cola Life and your standard run-of-the-mill red-labeled Coke bottle that you might pick up while checking out at a grocery store. 
Um, so the, the advertisement may make you think that Coca-Cola is introducing a new environmentally conscious or green alternative. Maybe they've revamped their production to be more eco-friendly. But in reality, the only difference is the type of sweetener used. Coca-Cola life is sweetened with a combination of stevia and, and cane sugar, and that's the only difference. However, because the advertisement does not state this difference, because there are no words, and because the picture sparks this internal association between a serene and thriving natural landscape and the new soda, consumers may think of Coca-Cola life as green by association. While there are no words and thus no explicit sentence meaning, I argue that there is something akin to a speaker meaning where the advertiser intentionally relates the green image to their product. If we take the speaker meaning to exist, then the maximum of communication of relevance is still flouted as Coca-Cola pairs their stevia soda with the green imagery when these two concepts are not obviously related otherwise. Another major subsection of greenwashing is called lack of definition. Here, advertisers do make verbal claims about the greenness of their product, but avoid fact-checking on these assertions by using vocabulary that is too obscure or vague to have one singular definition. If you think about it, what does green even mean? Most obviously to us, green is a color between blue and yellow on the color spectrum. It could be a plot of land, like a golf green or a tennis green, if you're a sports fan. For our hypothetical consumer who's concerned about the environmental friendliness of their products, green most likely follows a Merriam-Webster definition to make less harmful or more sensitive to the environment. But this is a definition that a consumer has assigned to the word, while the advertiser can assign another completely different meaning. Let's say that our consumer buys a bottle of Windex cleaner with a green label pronouncing the product as being quote unquote, eco-friendly. A consumer can assume that this eco-friendliness might refer to the way that the product is created. Maybe they think that it's composed of ingredients that are non-toxic to the environment as they decompose. Yet another consumer could take eco-friendly to mean something like the factory in which the Windex is created having committed to lowering their greenhouse gas releases. Meanwhile, Windex the company could be doing none of these things and instead have implemented a recycling program at the factory and from there called the company and products more eco-friendly. The point is because these terms like green, eco-friendly, environmentally conscious don't have set meetings or parameters through which we can measure their existence and accuracy, companies can get away with slapping these labels on their products without being called liars. I categorize this as Frankfurt-style persuasive bullshit, as the company doesn't know what specific definition the customers will assign to the environmental terms that they use, and they don't care as long as the consumers are picking their product off of the shelf and putting it in their baskets. Even more common are words like non-toxic, compostable, or non-hazardous. If companies don't assign definitions to these words, then they can be considered Frankfurt-style bullshit also, because they have included no specification for what makes an ingredient toxic versus non-toxic, hazardous versus non-hazardous, or what, for example, the de decay half-life of an ingredient must be for it to be considered compostable. In the last several years, a few companies, Windex being one, have come under fire for claims like these. For example, there is currently a class action lawsuit in process against Windex for claiming 
uh, on the bottle that their window cleaner is non-toxic when they actually contain ingredients that are harmful not only to the environment, but also to children and pets. Unfortunately, a lot of similar lawsuits in the past have been dismissed on the grounds of the ambiguity of the vocabulary. On the other side of the spectrum is something akin to Cohen-style academic bullshit, where companies include confusing charts or long paragraphs and tiny text on the back of the bottles, explaining that their environmental consciousness, explaining their environmental consciousness in words that the average consumer cannot understand or care to learn about. While these claims may make some sense to an environmental scientist, they've been filtered through marketing and advertising teams, and by the time that they actually end up on the bottle, their purpose is only to seem legitimate and officially eco-friendly, while not actually imparting any useful information about the product. Halfway between bullshit and outright lies falls our third type of greenwashing called unproven claims. Let's say that a company provided a legitimate definition for one of the environmental terms that we've been talking about, biodegradable. The company starts a plastic recycling program where customers can bring back used bottles and the company will process them in a certain way. They advertise that, through this process, the biodegradable plastic is decomposed in only four months and in breaking down naturally with the help of bacteria, fungi, and microorganisms, it blends back into the earth without leaving any chemicals behind that would disrupt the soil composition. Through this definition, the company has established an explicit claim, unlike in Green by Association, and the claim is quantifiable and can be tested or fact-checked, unlike in lack of definition greenwashing. Let's pretend that we set out to validate this claim, but when we try to do so, the company tells us that the plastic treatment process is proprietary information and cannot be shared. We cannot call them outright liars because we can't prove that the claim is untrue, but we also can't call them truth tellers and automatically trust what has been written on the package. The company would hold, could wholeheartedly believe that their process decomposes plastic in only four months without leaving any trace chemicals and advertise this without any malicious intent to deceive without knowing that the process takes longer or actually releases harmful chemicals into the soil. This ties into Clifford's ethics of beliefs, where he claims that beliefs do not concern just one person as beliefs dictate actions which have effects beyond the individual. Clifford would motivate the company to pursue their ethical duty and allow us to verify their claim in a relentless pursuit of the truth because it's wrong to found beliefs upon insufficient evidence. And one should always question their beliefs for the good of the collective. In this case, the effects of misplaced belief and decomposition treatments could affect the whole world over a long period of time. Alternatively, the company could know or highly suspect that their plastic treatment doesn't work and advertise it anyway. If the company suspects that the process, does, that the process doesn't work, but doesn't know for sure, then Greece's maximum of quality is flouted because there is not sufficient evidence supporting the claim that is bi that biodegradable plastic works as advertised. Alternatively, if they have tested the process and know it to be faulty for sure, and know that they're falsely advertising a lie, then the maximum of quality is violated entirely and the claim can be called an outright lie, which we will talk about next. Finally, let's wrap up our discussion of greenwashing and outright lies. These are the ones that explicitly violate the felicity conditions of truth and evidence. The company who is advertising the quote unquote green product must believe in the claims that they are making and be able to provide sufficient evidence to prove that these claims are true. Last year, Tide Detergent was encouraged by the National Advertising Division to restate the marketing claims when it was uncovered that the laundry detergent was only 75% plant-based instead of 100% plant-based as was claimed on the bottle. 
The remaining 25% were petroleum products and man-made chemical agents, which are undisputably not plant-based. The maximum quality is obviously violated here as Tide knew the ingredients put into its product were not 100% plant-based, but still, quote, said what they believed to be false. Obviously, they could not provide sufficient evidence to prove that the product was 100% plant-based, and any evidence that claimed otherwise would have had to be falsified, but they still, quote, said for which they lacked evidence. They knew that their claim was false, but labeled their products with it anyway because it would be lucrative for them to appear as green and eco-friendly as possible and deceive their customers. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Truth. I hope that this discussion encourages us all to reevaluate how we engage with the products we consume and rethink how much trust we place into the corporations we give our money to. Furthermore, we should reassess what we are doing to reduce our own environmental footprints and how, quote, environmentally friendly the actions we are taking truly are. As always, links to the sources I have used in the making of this podcast will be included in the description. And with that, I am done with college. Thank you for tuning in.